Money FM 89.3, best of the breakfast huddle. Mind your business with the breakfast huddle only on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Good morning. It's The Breakfast Huddle. Elliot Danka, Barty Jagdish and Ryan Huang with you. Time for Mind Your Business. Today it's Travel Thursday. Yes, indeed. And while many in the travel and tourism industry are possibly shrinking operations or putting a pause on their expansion plans, our next guest is doing just the opposite. Club Med, the pioneer of premium all-inclusive holidays, has recently announced an aggressive travel rebound plan in the APEC region. This following the announcement of the brand's upcoming Greenfield Beach Resort in Borneo, Kota Kinabalu, Club Med will continue to look for opportunities in the Southeast Asian region, specifically in Thailand, Vietnam and Indonesia. So Club Med plans to open 16 new resorts by the end of 2023. Eight in China. That's already been implemented on schedule since the first half of the year. There are 63 resorts worldwide to date. More resorts in the pipeline. In fact, they're anticipating a 26% increase in annual capacity by the year 2024 compared with 2019. Lots to find out from our guest, Rachel Harding, who is Chief Executive Officer East and South Asia and Pacific at Club Med. Rachel, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Elliot. Even now, well done. <laughs> uh, Rachel, <laughs> I understand you are speaking to us from Sydney. And uh, earlier this week, it was uh, the start of uh, Freedom Day. Uh, after four <laughs> months, how are things there? How, tell us. I mean, you're no uh, strangers to having lockdowns and stay-at-home orders. But yes, it would seem that um, certain cities in Australia have now the longest at-home lockdown records in the world. Uh, in Sydney, you're right, Freedom Day was on Monday. So it means we still can't leave greater Sydney region, but we are able to go outside, have friends at our house, uh, have a beer at the pub. Uh, so things are starting to get a haircut, I think the most <laughs> number one thing on everyone's list. So thank mm. you very much. Things are starting to get back to normal, um, not far behind Singapore, hopefully. Mm, let's hope they stay that way. Yeah? I'm sure everyone's mm. hoping that as well. The thing is, Rachel, reopening around the world has been uneven. Uh, for some entities in the travel sector, it has been a rather punishing period. But Club Med, yeah. of course, operates globally. And I understand that actually domestic travel to your resorts in China went up more than 2.5 times in 2021. So it would seem that COVID has not affected you as badly as it has some others. But considering we're not totally out of the woods yet, globally, what with the possibility of new COVID variants. What is really fueling your growth plans? I mean, some might say this optimism is premature. Um, you, would, you, you could say that. You could say that our, our, our pipeline um, for, for development is, is quite a quite aggressive one. Um, but just starting on your first point, I mean, even, even though we are the first to go into this crisis in the Asia region and certainly one of the slowest to come, to come out, uh, we have a pretty diverse portfolio when it comes to both destination and source market. So throughout the pandemic, we've managed to keep a lot of our resorts still open and operating and to quite high demand, especially to, to domestic to resorts. And what that has enabled us to do is actually continually refine what the new consumer demand is in resort and be ready for other areas that open. Um, getting to the second part of your question, which is, of course, around development. And it's safe to say that 
we have always had a very strong, aggressive pipeline. Uh, we were always looking to expand in the Southeast Asian region. And even this year, we've still managed to open four resorts globally. One in China, in Lijiang, one in Seychelles, and two uh, in our ski portfolio in Quebec and La Rosière in, in, in Europe. So it's, it's, always, um, it's always in our pipeline to continue. And as I said, uh, Southeast Asia and the Pacific is certainly uh, next on our list. Throughout the pandemic, we had already started a beautiful greenfield project in Borneo, Kota Kinabalu, which despite the significant headwinds of COVID, is still on track for opening in 2023 and will be our brand new flagship resort in this region. So we're very excited. We know that once the borders open, the demand is there. We're starting to see it in Singapore already. Uh, and we'll be ready with, uh, with our current resorts and even more resorts opening. I'm definitely there for the Borneo one. Love that place. <laughs> Rachel, uh, there have been enough surveys that have been published to show that travelers and potential travelers value safety uh, as top of their list and safety from the point of view of hygiene. Uh, with Club Med's sort of all-inclusive experience, all-inclusive type of business model, does that make it more relevant and the easiest, safest bet right now for travelers? Uh, it's a very good point. Uh, we have seen already the shift in, I guess, what consumers are looking for now as when it comes to hierarchy when they travel and safety is definitely up there. I think the competitive edge that something like Club Med has is that we are 100% resorts. We're not high rise. We only build on 10% of the land in which we operate. And I think uh, it's safe to say that everybody now has this desire for more wide open spaces and more remote destinations. So um, able to offer this kind of safer environment in an all-inclusive nature, as you mentioned, Elliot, which we actually call our cocoon because we're able to kind of minimise the risk by um, allowing our team to really amp up the safety and hygiene on every touch point so people can, can be within a safe environment but still feel quite free. Rachel, aside from the safety issues and the travel sector having to cater for those needs, what does the new normal of travel look like? What do you expect it to look like going forward? Well, we've already been open, as I mentioned, throughout Europe and and the USA. And people at the end of the day are still looking to just find happiness again uh, and enjoy a holiday, reconnect with family. You know, this human connection is certainly the new currency. People just want to get back to feeling free and feeling happy and, and, and kind of putting the worries behind them again. But behind the scenes, obviously all operators need to really lift their game when it comes to safety and hygiene. And certainly for operators like Club Med, we've partnered with global brands like Ecolab, who are the leaders in hygiene and safety systems and products, to make sure that we audit every part of our, our consumer's journey and stay to meet these heightened safety demands so that this is happening behind the scenes and it, be, and it produces a seamless operation and experience. Uh, to the actual consumer. And I think that's just going to be a given moving forward. So people, it's at the back of their mind, but they're still definitely wanting to obviously feel free again and, and get back to happiness. We're on the line this morning with Rachel Harding, Chief Executive Officer, East and South Asia and Pacific at Club Med. Uh, Rachel, as we look to that rebound in travel, I know we've talked a lot about hygiene and safety from that perspective. Uh, Could you comment a little bit about the other things that Club Med have had to do to pivot, especially on the digitalization front? Yes, well, it's all around, of course, the less touch 
points as possible. So everything from a seamless digital check-in right through to digital bracelets that allow you to activate your room key, uh, purchase things within the resort, through to apps on your phone that allow you to book different services within the resort. We've tried to really increase our digital footprint to make sure that we can really adhere to what is, is now in demand, which is, of course, this touchless nature. Would you say that there is an expectation now or, or have you noticed an expectation from potential guests that things should be digitalized, that there should be as little touch points as possible and maybe that creates a little bit more pressure on, on your end? Definitely, and it's not just around all the things that I, that I mentioned. If you're operating an all-inclusive resort like Club Med, part of that is really around the activities that are included. Okay. So there really has to be this heightened level of safety and hygiene um, mm. as every person touches an activity and then leaves again. When it comes to serving food, everything has to be singly plated. Mm. Uh, we have to make sure that there's ample social distancing, which is able to happen in resorts situation where I mentioned there's wide open spaces rather than high density. So it is at the consideration of everything that we do. And we'll continue to be. And we're learning as we go. Mm. Um, Like I said, as as each market comes back online, we learn more and more and we adapt um, so that we can, you know, continue to refine. And I don't think that's going to change for years to come. Everything is evolving very quickly and we have to meet that demand. How might all of these enhancements impact costs moving forward? I'm sure a lot of travellers are thinking about that as well. How much more am I going to have to pay now to travel? Your perspective on this? I think anybody is happy to pay for quality and safety. Um, But what it comes down to at the end of the day, um, Barati and Elliot, is value. If people feel like they're getting the right value for money, they've paid the right amount of money for the right experience, then I don't think anybody would would complain. Uh, Certainly for for us, uh, our prices um, and our our offers and our promotions remain seamlessly competitive. And like I said, we place value on on our products and, and to date that seems to be a very successful model. Yeah, I can't help but think that when you mention value, it's a very, uh, and, and pardon if, if this comes across wrongly, but it's a very Southeast Asian thing to do. Like you want that value for money. Is that a motivator behind, you know, why you're putting, you know, greater focus in Southeast Asia? How do you decide where you want to build a new club med? Uh, it's a very good question. I mean, first of all, um, we always look for you know, beautiful spaces that are relatively uh, untouched, let's say. We have amazing resorts already nestled in beautiful locations in in Southeast Asia, Bali, Phuket, uh, in the Indian Ocean, into into Maldives. So we we like to think we're a bit of a trendsetter when it comes to destinations. We're actually the first to welcome guests into places like where where we are in Bali and Phuket. So it's all about finding untouched locations. And where is the best place to find that right now than the beautiful um, shores of Southeast Asia? And that's why there's so many opportunities. And and often with a crisis becomes more opportunities available to you. So um, Borneo was one that we we looked at. And and the reason that we could could have a greenfield operation in Borneo is because of this beautiful location we've chosen. And from here, um, it'll be a flagship resort. We will make sure our features are much more upscale, um, sustainable construction within our operation. Um, and we'll continue to look for more destinations within Southeast Asia to be able to do that. But I think it's safe to say we have lots of source markets in Southeast Asia to feed these destinations. There's some beautiful untouched destinations yet to come, and that's why we'll continue to look into these areas. You seem to be optimistic about not just Southeast Asia, but APEC as a whole. What sort Mm. of recovery are you expecting at the APEC resorts? 
So we've already been operating uh, within our APAC region. Uh, we've been operating to our Chinese market within our Chinese resorts, and we have seen demand like we have, we're never expecting. Certainly for the big holidays, the Golden Week that we just had, we were at full occupancy in a lot of our resorts. If we look at Japan, we've been operating both Tomomu in our, in our Hokkaido region and Kibera, one of our island resorts in Japan, where we're completely outperforming the concept. Um, and similarly, uh, you would have noticed that Malaysia on the weekend opened travel to domestic resort, um, to all domestic locations. We have a beautiful resort located in Cherising in Malaysia. And within 72 hours, the week, this weekend coming was completely booked out. So revenge travel is real. It happens very quickly as we've seen in our other markets. And the challenge for any business is to be gearing up ready for that demand. Rachel, you mentioned something earlier that caught my attention and I tend to associate this word with any resort builders or owners, uh, the word sustainability. Mm. What kind of pressure, what kind of challenges do you face, especially when you're trying to build a resort in a place like Borneo uh, on the sustainability front? There are a lot of activists, for lack of a better choice of words, the activists are quite active on social media as well. Uh, Could you walk us through some of the challenges and how Clubman has had to deal with it? Well, first of all, when we choose a location, all of that's taken into consideration, what our impact will be on the local area, the economy, the environment, the people, um, before we even um, decide where we're going to be. And then from there, it's really about how we build and what we do when we build. So like I mentioned, we make sure we touch no more than 10% of the actual resort location Mm -hmm. that we're on, the land. Number one, it's low-density buildings. We try and use local products local designers, Mm. when we actually start to operate, 75 to 80% of our staff are sourced locally. We try and source all of our food locally as well to really help the the economy. And all of the activities that we do in resort now are very much geared geared around sustainability or trying to make a difference and give back. With the coral coral preservation in the Maldives, our turtle hatching campaign in Malaysia. Mm. Um, It's more and more increasingly popular and and obvious that we have to keep um, offering these types of activities, both to children and adults alone when they come into into our resort. And of course, that then helps continually. Uh, It's still perpetuating for the local environment. Of course, we mustn't forget also the uh, carbon footprint uh, flying into all of these places, uh, which is something that yeah. activists have been talking about as well. Uh, is that something that yeah. ever concerns you? you know, now that we're returning uh, to travelling again, I think some people heaved a sigh of relief when travel levels diminished uh, because, oh, this is so much better for the environment. But how do you, how do you then deal with those concerns, considering that people also do want to travel? Yeah, you're right, and, and we all saw those incredible pictures from all over the world uh, where people hadn't been for a long time. Venice is one that sticks out. There's the changing colour of the canals, and you know there is this, you know definite issue of, of over tourism that's come to the forefront of people's mind. But I think at the end of the end of the day, people still will want to travel, and it's a balance because most people's economies, especially in Southeast Asia rely so heavily on tourism. So we have to balance with being able to come into these areas, be able to give back, be be sustainable, as we mentioned, be very conscious of of the community in which we're operating in, um, but to be able to give back to them as well so that too, um, you know, can can continue on and have thriving economies. Um, We also will try and locate always uh, resorts within destinations that have local markets. 
So whether it be drive to, um, you know, uh, over in beautiful Bintan, you can you can catch a ferry from from Singapore over to Bintan um, Island. So we'll always try and find destinations where we have a drive to market or a local market, as well as not just relying on an international market coming in. All right. And Rachel, before we say goodbye, what is top of your list for your revenge travel? Do you know, it's so funny because revenge travel has been this this word, this um, buzzword, but um, I was speaking actually to our general manager out of Singapore yesterday, the lovely Vincent Ong, who I know is probably listening, and he's talking now about anywhere travel. And in Singapore now, as soon as you you open up anything right now and you opened up Europe (laughs) over the weekend... We saw an incredible spike to our European ski resorts uh, for people that are trying to get out of Singapore and go to, to Europe. And I'm sure that wouldn't necessarily be first on people's list, but it's whatever's open, people are going to. So let's coin it anywhere travel now because <laughs> it's going to happen. And for me, one of my first places actually um, will probably be the Maldives oh. or the beautiful Bintan Island. Oh, great mm. choices. I love that. Anywhere travel. Forget revenge travel, man. That's so passé, yeah? Uh, Thank you very (laughs) much for that. Thanks very much for for speaking with us, Rachel. Rachel Harding, Chief Executive Officer, East and South Asia and Pacific at Club Med. Thanks for joining us on Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.